All right, everybody, welcome back to the episode number, I believe this is number 17 with Dan Wiseman. And um, I'm very excited to have him on. He and I have been uh, Twitter pals for, for, for some years now. And um, he's a great follow. I'll, give, I'll, let, I'll turn it over to him here in a little bit. But um, we were chatting before uh, we started recording about some of the things we want to talk about and uh, a lot of really good stuff. So I'm looking forward to, to chatting with him. Dan, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, Nick. How you been? I'm well, sir. Thank you very much. I want to thank you for coming on. Um, I'm very grateful. I know that uh, you're a busy guy, and I want to chat with you about, you know, your your own personal uh, story, stuff about healthcare. But kind of getting into this, man. Um, before we get into some other nuts and bolts about health, would you mind sharing a little bit of your story, kind of your walk, and you know how you got your health back? Yeah, sure. So I uh, I went to school. Um, I think it's really how I lost most of my health, right? I went to a, I went to a full college uh, engineering course load while working uh, 40 plus hours a week. I was actually uh, a number of, actually worked usually more than one job, but I designed furniture. I sold cars. Um, I uh, re- repaired computers. There's a lot of stuff. Um, I sold jewelry. Uh, did a bunch of stuff kind of on the side to earn enough money to be able to move out pretty early uh, in my life. I moved out at 18 or 19. Uh, and, you know, bought my own apartment in the most expensive place in the world by some measure. I'm here in Silicon Valley, California. And that didn't leave a whole lot of time to really focus on me as like a physical entity. I had um, my, my bills and I had my education. That's all things I, I focused on. And maybe I slept every so often. Uh, so at the end of that, I had what was a very marketable set of skills and a nice piece of paper that says I know how to do a lot of math and uh, really a body that had kind of deteriorated. Um, so I'm in my early 20s. I, I get nosebleeds all the time. I've got uh, neck pain all the time. I've got back pain all the time. My feet hurt if I'm standing on my feet for more than you know, a half hour at a time, which sucks if you're selling cars because you're on your feet all the time. So I'm in a lot of pain pretty much constantly. Um, I'm probably at my peak somewhere on 250 pounds. I'm five foot nine, so that, that, that didn't wear it well. Um, a lot of a lot of it around the midsection. You know, I had size forty two pants getting tight uh, at the time, and um, you know, it was a result of eating when I could, what I what I could. Um, it, it just as a way of of keeping my body in motion, um, and I didn't really have any kind of education in uh, health and fitness. I had no background in it. Um, you know, I had to do some physical education classes as part of my general education, but I mean, I took a weightlifting class, which was fun. I took a Tai Chi class. That was fun, but it wasn't really like a focus. I like, I didn't know how, what was healthy. I mean, at the time, this was say 2003, 2004, people were talking about gluten-free, people were talking about, they didn't call it plant-based, they just, it was just vegetarian, vegan, whatever. Um, and so I experimented with those kind of things and um, I didn't really like the way I looked or felt. So I said, what do I do to look and feel better? Well, bodybuilders look good, right? So let's do what they do. They lift weights, okay. They do some cardio, okay. They eat a lot of, you know, eat protein to make muscles and they eat carbs for energy and they eat some fat because you can't get your vitamins without your fat, but don't eat too much because you'll get fat. Okay. So I did that and I didn't, I mean, I can't say I had no success doing that. I mean, when you go from being almost completely sedentary to doing something, there is some kind of result, but it, just destroyed me physically like i i was exhausted before i was even complete with sort of the, the most basic uh workouts i mean could lift my arms you know limping to the car kind of stuff and um then i learned about this um one of the communities i was on it was a bodybuilding.com i don't know if they're still around but back then they had a nutrition board 
and they said keto. I said, I, what is that? I don't know. But I saw these people that were very large, 400 pounds, losing, you know, 100 pounds a year. And they're saying they're not hungry and they're not tired. And I mean, I was hungry and I was tired. And tired was just how I figured I was. Like, I was chugging energy drinks. Um, actually, I wrote a, a letter to Monster Energy Drinks. You can believe the name. Monster Energy Drinks one year, personally thanking them for my uh, grades one semester. And they sent me a pallet, a 24-can pallet of Monster Energy Drinks that year for free, um, which is shipping on that alone must have been a substantial amount of money because that was like, you know, 25 or, you know, 16 ounces each. Yeah, so it's 25 pounds of, of right. stuff. Um, but uh, so that was cool. But, I mean, I lived on this stuff. And clearly not healthy. Um, but, I mean, I'd fall asleep while driving. I mean, it was, it was nuts. It was pretty bad. Um, so I probably had sleep apnea. I probably had other, all kinds of other stuff. I didn't have health insurance at the time. So I didn't really ever go to a doctor and see if I was diagnosed with anything. But I look back and I say, yeah, I probably had pretty substantial insulin resistance. I probably had pretty substantial sleep apnea. But um, yeah, the fatigue was, was pretty bad. So all this stuff I saw about these people doing this keto thing, which sounded like Atkins. I'm like, okay, this kind of sounds like the same thing. I see these Atkins ads for um, you're eating, you know, steak and bacon and eggs and whatever. Um, that's neat. Those are the foods I like. Um, probably have a heart attack, but I'll, maybe I'll die looking good. Okay, I don't care. Whatever. Maybe I'll, you know, maybe I'll get laid before I do, right? So, uh, <laughs> that's honestly my, my mindset. I'm like 20, 24, 25 at the time. And I just, I, I want to look at, I want to feel good at least for a little bit. For the first time in my life, or since the first time I was a child, uh, since I was a child, right? <clears throat> and um, I did it and just instantly felt better. The, the, as soon as I cut out grains, sugars, and um, processed foods, I don't even say that many much in the way of processed foods. I was still doing sort of the keto cheesecakes and cookies and the fake breads and that kind of stuff. But I think that better is is better than not better, right? right? I mean, I don't. I was, definitely wasn't aiming for perfection. I was aiming for better, and just moving to that was. I mean, within a month, I was probably down 15 pounds. Nice. Um, my clothes were already fitting differently, and I noticed I could complete the entire workouts as sort of prescribed by the little internet guides. Um, you know, I wasn't just like you know massively sore. My joints felt better. I wasn't getting these headaches and stuff. Um, and it just, I was like, this is weird, right? I mean, why? Why am I? Why is my body responding so well to this? And why isn't this kind of just like the default? Right. Um, I mean, and little stuff too. Like I think back, like I don't, you know, I don't have dandruff. I don't get the hiccups anymore. You know, right. it, it's a little. It's still going like all these things are just better. Right. And so of course I became that that asshole who like, oh, you got to go keto. Keto is the best thing in the world. No, no, listen to me. I can save you. I can save you. Listen to me. And you're shaking few strangers in the grocery store that are, you know, their their grocery carts full of lean cuisine. So I was that guy for a while. And I look back and I just cringe on it, right? I mean, it's just bad. Um, but uh, yeah, I've settled down since then. And I began to kind of self-experiment because there was, you know, back then, um, this is, I guess, what, 2013? or so 2000 yeah 2011 2012 2013 the 
idea of keto was starting to sort of break out, or the idea that maybe that this whole Atkins thing from the 70s coming back, there's kind of something to it. We're not really sure. Science is still sort of being done on it. I don't know, but you know, here's a book coming out, and here's here's this, you know, whatever coming out, and there's a doctor that says this thing, and he's done Dr. Oz talking about whatever. So you start to see these things break into the, the mainstream a little bit. And um, I didn't really know. Right. Like I didn't, there, there wasn't the, the body of evidence, at least not available to us. I don't think they even had Google Scholar or anything back there where you could do your own research. You kind of had to um, go by what you could find at the local bookstore, which for, you know, some people watching it, there was actually a physical building that you'd go oh. and that's where the knowledge was and you had to go there. Um, imagine that. Like, you know imagine how you go to that. get your coffee? Imagine like where you go to get your coffee, but it's bigger and it's full of words. So <laughs> we had, <laughs> we'd go there. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was really kind of, uh, you know, interesting to see it grow up from there. But, you know, I found that it worked very, very well for me. Uh, and my body seemed to respond to it uh, in a way that it didn't respond to anything else. And th I think that I've realized that anybody who has, has weight to lose or is obese or whatever, they have lost weight before. I don't think there's anybody who's 200, 300, 400 pounds who's never lost 10 pounds. Everybody right. has. The right. thing is, it just keeps coming back. Or they didn't feel good while they were doing it. So they go back to saying, okay, I will have a chronic low level of discomfort instead of a, uh, an acute high level of discomfort while I'm doing something that always seems to go to backslide anyway. So why would I do that to myself? Right. Um, but this is just, it feels sustainable. I could yeah. like, I could do that. Like I, I could steak and, and eggs and all that kind of fun stuff forever. Right. Um, and then that kind of brings me to, uh, you know, all the other benefits that came along with it. You know, I was like, okay, I'm looking better. I'm feeling better. I'm buying new clothes. I'm feeling more confident. Uh, I'm dating. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing better at work. I am you know, more focused. I'm sleeping better. I don't need as much sleep. I would often need a nap in the middle of the day. Didn't need that anymore. Um, and I credit this sort of mental transformation with the life I've able, been able to build for myself now, which is, you know, I'm, I make very, very good money. I am married to an amazing woman. I have a, you know, I have a baby. Um, and I think I'd still be very much in the same place I was 15 years ago or 10 years ago, I guess, uh, if I didn't find a way to actually unlock all of my sort of potential by not being just so beat up all the time just by life itself. Right. You know, I don't get angry. I don't get, you know, I don't, maybe, you know, wouldn't know that if you watch me on Twitter, but, you know, I'm pretty, pretty chill. Yeah. Um, for the most part. And, you know, it allows me to just sort of like focus on the problem and fix the problem. And that's, you know, as somebody with an engineering background is literally my job. So, um, yeah, uh, it, it saved my life and it gave me a very, very good life from then. And that brings me to today. That's awesome, man. And I'll tell you what, listen to that. One of the, one of the things I like so much about having people on that, now obviously you're a very wise guy, a smart man, and you know a lot about health. But one of the things I like about having people on who are not like as a trade, maybe healthcare providers or, or, or physicians is you, if you've never gone through what you've gone through, it's tough, you know, uh, maybe for them to empathize or, or kind of identify with that. But something else that you said too, is one of the things that I hear people say when they get better is along the lines with what you said is not just the physical, you know, you've lost weight, you're feeling better, but like you said, you're performing better at work, you know, um, every other aspect of your life, maybe even outside the physical is improved. And I think that that's something that most people, if I were to ask somebody, why do you want to be healthy? 
I, I, and I have done this. People will say, well, you know, because I want to feel better. But eventually, if you let them talk, they'll start saying things like, well, I have a kid or I have grandkids. You know, I want, I want to be yeah. around for them, things like that. So that's if you let people go, that's where they go with that. That's very that's very astute. Um, so where are you now? Are you still would you consider your your nutrition to be kind of along the lines of where what are you keto or do you like more like PE like Ted name and stuff? Where are you? I am, I'd say, uh, carnivore adjacent with the acknowledgement that maybe fat is not as magical as Jimmy Moore led me to believe. Um, yep. And this, this is the result of a lot of experimentation because there's been like these cycles of, of keto. I've seen it grow up. Um, and yeah, I think the, you know, the Jimmy Moore books, the Keto Clarities and all that kind of stuff, was one of the first books I read. And it, there's a lot of very, very good information in there. I still definitely recommend the Keto Clarity to people who are like, oh, yeah, I want to learn about this. It's kind of neat. Um, but as you sort of go, start going on the path, there's a lot of people that say, well, um, particularly if you have certain genetic uh, abnormalities and these um, APOE4, whatever mutations, saturated fat might be bad for you. And, you know, cholesterol does this. So maybe you should have a lot of fat and protein, but maybe make your fat sources maybe more plant-based and then get your proteins from animals or maybe the other way around. Maybe we need to acknowledge that the plants are still trying to defend themselves and maybe you may have sensitivities to these plants that, uh, chemicals that maybe we've bred most of it out of, but not all of them, because I mean, it's, you know, it's still an organism. Right. Uh, it just can't run away or stab you with its horns. Right. So, you know, I've done something, you know, things much more plant-based. I've done things much more, uh, I've done, you know, strict carnivore for a, a decent period of time. And I have seen it work pretty well on both sides. I don't think, I mean, I can point to like Carrie Diulis as like the only vegan keto person I've ever seen have it be successful. And I think she's great for, for doing what she does and having an open mind and not pushing that as the only way of doing things. Um, for myself and for most of the people that I've talked to, I think going something maybe heavier on, on animal products seems to be, uh, for one, easier. You definitely need a lot less variety of foods to be able to get everything you need. Uh, I think it's a lot more enjoyable. I personally find a lot of, uh, you know, plants uh to be very upsetting to my stomach um you know they require a lot of prep time um i mean just just think about the time how much time i used chopping vegetables and stuff for salads and i used to he had these great big punch bowl salads and stuff for yeah, dinner. Exactly. Uh, and you know that, that's sort of where i sit right now is i eat meat is the food and then everything that goes with the meat is to make the meat better or to make the, the meal itself more enjoyable i don't regard the other stuff necessarily as food in the same way that i don't re regard you know salt and pepper is food, something that goes on the food or with the food to make the food better. Right. Um, so that's sort of where I sit right now. I don't really count anything. I like fat, but I know that it's easy for me to overeat fat. Some people say you can't. I disagree. I think you can. Um, and um, that just makes it very sustainable. I can experiment around that. I can try different things. And if it works, great. I add that to the repertoire. If it doesn't work, I've got the sort of central plan that I can always come back to and know sort of where that is going to get me. Perfect. And I, I think that you and you and I, the cheese thing, you know, I, I had, uh, <laughs> listen, man, I, I tell you what, if, if I could, if there was an island and it was unlimited supply of cheese, I'd move there, man. Um, I, I, I think I maybe it was last night I put a, put a question on Twitter about, you know, what makes you overeat? And, uh, you, you know, you have these, these, these um, camps and, and nutrition where it's like calories in, calories out. And then you have, it's about the hormones. I think that, you know, they, they both mean something and they both play a role, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm kind of with you, man. And I'll be honest with you. So I'm six foot tall. I last, I weighed myself yesterday after I trained, which I was probably four pounds light of water. I was 188. 
And mm-hmm. a few years ago, now I've been a big low carb guy. I'm not going to get into my situation. This, this isn't about me, but um, long story short, I've been a low carb guy for probably 20 years. I'm in my forties. And um, I kind of similar to you, you know, went on different was paleo. Then it was keto it was low carb. Now I'm more like PE, but um, mm-hmm. my wife used to make healthy keto desserts almost nightly you know mm-hmm. you know peanut butter cups keto peanut butter cups and i'm like are you, tell, are you telling me you like peanut butter cups <laughs> brother <laughs> and, it, it, and it's nuts because i'm like oh well these are keto so i'll just have like seven of them right yeah and, I, and, I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm at least 12 pounds lighter after so we haven't done that in years you know and, and here's, yeah. here's the way that i look at it now i don't have good willpower man like i have lousy willpower yeah. so but i but i recognize these things you recognize these things that make you overeat and i could eat a pound and a half of salmon and maybe some mm-hmm. asparagus because asparagus doesn't mess with me. If I eat a little piece of cheese, it's, it's game on. So that's good. Mm-hmm. You, we recognize these things, but I, um, I, the only dairy that I do now, and it doesn't seem to, to, to really do, do that with my hunger is I put about a half a teaspoon of uh, cream in my coffee and that's it. Mm-hmm. That's about it. So. Yeah, I'll do um, butter doesn't seem to mess with me. Cream, I don't use so much in general because I usually drink my coffee black and I don't really use cream for anything else besides that. Um, but I mean, I have repeatedly experimented with this and it's just, I, I really don't want it to be the case because for one, I've got access to really, really good cheeses. And, and California, for all of its failings, has raw milk and raw cheeses. And it's, I don't want, I'm not one of these people who thinks that raw milk or raw cheese is magical. But if it is a raw milk product, it is the highly specialized artisanal product and is by necessity going to be of high quality. It's like you go buy, I don't know, an Italian car or whatever. Does Italy have better wrenches or whatever? No, but there's a certain expectations of an Italian car and what an Italian car does and feels like, right? right. So if you have a raw milk cheese, it's not going to be mozzarella. It's going to be something that's really kind of cool, cave-aged or whatever. You know, it's wrapped in spruce leaves or some crazy shit. And um, it's going to be amazing. And so we, we have that. And you know, if I go off cheese, even by accident, I'll just kind of start to forget to eat. And I'll be like, oh, I waited all the way through my work day and I had my coffee and I'm good. But, you know, I have, a, you know, if I have cheese with the dinner the night before or whatever, you know, I wake up the next day and 10 o'clock rolls around and I go, I still have some of that cheese left. Right. It's low carb still. You know, it's, still yeah. it's still on my plan, right? I, don't, I mean, part of me is like, is am I just justifying it because it's technically low carb? Or is, is there like actually some kind of like people talk about casomorphines and, and the addictive properties of cheese and things like that. And uh, I don't want to believe it, but I just I can't shake it that it seems to be true. God damn it. Uh, same uh. With, listen, man, I'm the same way, too. And, and it is a, it's a bummer and I and I can't stand it, but it is the exact same thing, man. And it's almost to me, like I said before, I could eat till I'm 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 full, not like bloated full, but satisfied, right? Satiated. And yeah. Yeah, piece of cheese. That's it. It'll set me off. It's it sucks. Yep. for sure. Yeah. Um, so you how, so the time restricted feeding thing for you, that's more. I'm assuming. Correct me if I'm wrong. That that's more of a natural thing that happens because you're rarely hungry. Hungry. Yeah, yeah. I don't generally uh, like the idea of white knuckling your way through anything. I think that if whatever you're doing, and it could any kind of diet, lifestyle, uh, work, um, uh, family behavior, habit, anything you're trying to do, I think should feel maybe not comfortable, but not unnatural, right? Um, I do believe in this sort of like intuitive sense of, of behavior. 
um, and uh, you know, the way you interact with the world should feel, you know, you should match, you know, your sort of internal self and the way that you're expressing yourself out into the world in every possible way should match as best as it can. Um, and when you are white knuckling your way through fasting, when, when, okay, when you okay, I gotta, gotta wait till six, right. as soon as you hit six, you know, you're just gonna eat everything that isn't nailed down, knock it off. Right. Um, so find a way that, that prevents that from happening if you can, and if you can't, that's fine. I don't think fasting is magical either. I think it's a good way to just sort of, uh, also, you know, for one, figure out what your body's actually doing. Right. Um, you know, that's one of the, one of the ways I discovered that cheese is what sets me off. It's like, okay, without cheese, I can wait till six, but with cheese, it's much more difficult. Okay. Well, why is that? What's different? Was it, did I have nuts? Did I have artificial sweeteners? Did I, oh, it's the cheese. Right. So, um, and then also understand what hunger actually is. Like there's, there's also this thing that like, okay, am I hungry because it's noon and my body's just expecting something at noon. And if I say, okay, body, give it another half hour. Let's see what happens. I'll then usually for me, it'll go away. If I had just kind of like not been on the sort of, you know, one meal per day, two meal per day thing, I might get this little craving at, at noon. Um, like if I've been on vacation or something eating with my family, um, and that'll just kind of, you know, resolve on its own. Yeah. So, you know, experiment. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, you mentioned that too. And, and it's, what's really interesting is uh, I, t I told people, you know, I tell people all the time how I thought maybe three or four years ago isn't, isn't how I think about things now regarding healthcare, right? Even, even in the nutrition world. Um, and, and you mentioned the thing um, with white knuckling and that's a good, that's a really good example. Um, my wife and I for about seven months. So I, I love time restricted feeding. I don't, I will, I can't say that I never forced the fast because I have. But what mm -hmm. my wife, my wife and I did for seven months, we just said, Hey, listen, let's take two days of a weekend and let's just do a 48, 48 hour fast every week. And that was more of a, we were going to do it because we decided to do it. And, um, after a while, man, it started messing with me. Like I, I, I noticed some things that I wasn't feeling all that great. Um, you know, I, I would, I would be depending on one, one of those two days when we were fasting, usually at the beginning of the week, it was a day I would end up training two days after I didn't eat. I was still fasted. And um, I was noticing like muscle fasciculations, twitching. Um, I was having symptoms like like high cortisol when it shouldn't be high. So we cut it out. But I typically, like you said, man, if I if you're if you're eating things, you know, that aren't making you hungry, just like you, I can I can go easily go 20 hours. Um, but I don't force it anymore. But then that's a yeah. good point. That's a very good point. And I also think that it, 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 it's highly dependent on sort of where you're coming from. Cause I've, I've been at different weights, right. And, um, I found it to be much easier when I have more weight to lose. Um, you know, I had a while, you know, some years ago I had just the wheels fall off and I gained about 20 pounds and, um, I was like, okay, time to get the shit strapped back down. And I did, and I found it actually pretty easy just to be like, okay, I'm back on to one meal a day, easy, easy peasy. I get back down to sort of my fighting weight, which for me is about like 160, and it's, just, it's a lot harder. It's just a lot harder. Um, and, I mean, logically it makes sense, right? You just have less stores to pull from or whatever. You know, maybe there's just something to this whole body set weight thing, um, which I don't know. But, I mean, it definitely seems to be uh, dependent on where, what the scale says for me. Um, 100%, yep. So, yep. What are your thoughts on uh... – <clears throat> calories in calories out, you know, where it's just a matter of willpower. And I think my, my opinion is it, it, it seems like, look, I don't know any, any health guys or gals 
that are saying calories in, calories out, but are telling you to bunch of shit food, right? I don't, I, I don't know that maybe that's the case, mm-hmm. but I don't, people that are saying watch your calories are typically saying, you know, get your macros, right? Get your, you know, get your protein where it needs to be, et cetera, et cetera. But as a tool for the Pop-Tarts, but the Pop-Tarts, Nick, what about the Pop-Tarts? <laughs> Listen, what about the damn Pop-Tarts? Right, you know, they right. make peanut butter and chocolate Pop-Tarts now, right? They do? They absolutely do. Chocolate Pop-Tarts with the peanut butter center. Just saw them the other day. <laughs> Deleting your Twitter account as we speak. I can hear it. Man, I tell you what, it's, I, I, I <laughs> that, you know, I haven't had, I'll be honest with you, man. I, everything, my life, when, when I, things that I eat, if I, if I have alcohol, you know, I put this stuff on Twitter, man, I, I'm, I'm transparent. Like when I have, if I have a shitty meal, what I would consider to be something off plan, I don't, maybe I don't want to call it shitty, but I put it on Twitter, right? When I have Reese's Cups, mm-hmm. I put that stuff on Twitter. I, I'm okay, man. Like I have a freezer, I have a big box freezer in my garage that probably has three bags of Reese's Cups in it. I know it's there. I don't care that it's there, to be honest with you. Um, I can mm-hmm. go maybe every couple of months, you know, we, we, there's this place about an hour from us. Um, it's this wing place. And um, mm-hmm. it was actually a couple of months ago, I, I posted a picture. It's, you know, it's really good. And we kind of go and do what we want with that. And you feel like crap for a couple of days. But um, my, my issue with the calories in, calories out is if, if you aren't, I, I think the benefit of eating foods that keep you satisfied or, or, or satisfy hunger you kind of, as a, as, as a, as a side effect, you just happen to eat less instead of trying to force yourself to just eat less food. Right. I, I think that's the case. And I think the most uh, studies that have looked at these things, they say, okay, if you take somebody, you lock them in a box and you say, you're going to eat the same amount of protein. And then the, the energy is either going to come from fat or going to come from carbohydrates. The results end up being pretty similar. I think that's what the science actually says. The difficulty is that you don't live in a box, right? And you don't, actually measure everything that goes into your mouth accurately and especially if you're eating i mean something out of a bag i mean how what are you gonna do you're gonna count the number of chips no you're not oh, no way. Uh, or or if you're, even if you're eating say we'll say natural foods or whatever if you're eating a, a, a potato or a um a, you know fruit or whatever there's apples that are this big and there's apples that are this big and what season was that apple grown in what climate was that apple grown in how many how you know at what ripeness was that apple picked versus how much did that apple ripen on the shelf and how does that affect whatever the nutrients are in it? you have right. absolutely no way of knowing okay. unless you're drinking nothing but like laboratory grade macronutrient shakes you have no way of knowing what you're actually putting in your body you know to that level of a degree maybe plus or minus 10 percent, maybe right and that's why I consider it kind of a fool's errand. And I think that, okay, if, if you're doing that kind of stuff for science, great. I think that's good knowledge. I think that's good information to have. But what can we actually take away from that as, you know, human beings living in the real world? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm definitely on the, on the side of don't eat things. If your goal is to be, uh, have less fat on your body, don't eat things that are difficult to stop eating, particularly if you know you are prone to doing that. I mean, like for me, it's it's the dairy, uh, nuts, uh, things that are artificially sweetened, um, particularly like well, not so much like sodas, but like if it's a keto uh, cheesecake or yeah. uh, cookies, that kind of stuff. Um, I still get that, I guess that dopamine hit or whatever in in the back of my head that says this thing is awesome. Uh, have you know ten more of them, and I kind of have to manually shut that down. Um, and if I take a, you know, I'll do, I don't call them cheat days. I call them treat days, right? Because I think they need to kind of be, at least be, be worth it. Like, I don't yeah. go and say, okay, it, I've been good boy 
for you know a month, and therefore I'm going to go to Walmart and get a sheet cake and put on uh, you know the you know the latest Marvel movie and eat the whole sheet cake with a spoon, right? That's not what I do. I'll say, okay, it is my anniversary, and my wife and I are going to go to a Michelin-starred restaurant, and we are going to have a five-course meal prepared by a world-famous chef, and we are going to enjoy every bite, even though that there's rice and potatoes involved in it. And I'm gonna, I'm not gonna feel bad about it, you know. Maybe I'll feel a little bit tired or whatever the next day. Maybe I'll get a little bit of you know, finger joint pain or whatever. But is it worth it? Hell yeah, it is. Yeah, and I think absolutely. that's just sort of like the adult decision people need to say. If I'm going to go off plan, is it actually worth it? Or is it special enough to justify? I don't know if you're like traveling the world. I see people like, oh, I just started keto three weeks ago and I'm going to Nicaragua next week. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I have the local food. Right. Of course I have the local food. Yes. You know, what's wrong with you? Of course, you, 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 you can get back to it when you get back, but you know what you don't have down the street? Nicaragua. Right. So go enjoy it. That's exactly right. You know, or whatever. So it, it's, you know, be an adult, decide what, what, the, what the actual balance of the scale is and, you know, make that decision. Yeah, 100%. And I'm and with that's, you, that's, that's where I said. Well, you know, I, what's interesting is, um, have you ever seen that show? It's, it's called My 600-Pound Life. You've seen that? I'm aware of the show. I don't want to watch it just because it feels it feels just exploitative and gross to me. It, it is not it, not really my jam. Yeah, it, and, and be honest with you, it is. And I, I I've yeah. seen episodes of it, but what's interesting <clears throat> is these these people. You know, they're they're very heavy, and they you know they watch their life, and they're going to see this the surgeon. And um, what what's sad? One of the saddest thing is they always they all all the all the people on the show say the same thing. They say. I don't want to eat this much food, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, I can't, they're, they're saying, I can't understand why I'm eating so much food, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, it, why is nobody, why is there, maybe there is, I don't know. Um, but my, my thought is why, why is there nobody teaching these people the, the concept of hunger? Now you can make mm-hmm. arguments about, you know, stomach stretching and, and, and things like that, you know, organs, you know, stomach organ stretching. And, you know, I, I get all that. And that, that is, that is a thing, but I think that the idea of controlling hunger come coming with that is like you said, just don't eat things that are going to keep you, keep you eating, man. And, and just like you too, like I, I told, I told my wife with, with, with the, with the keto peanut butter cups, I'm like, there's no way that this, this is, this can't be normal. Right. Like Okay, so it's low carb, but I'm probably eating about 350 grams of saturated fat a day, um, and, you know, and, and I'm not single digit body fat percentage. I'm, I'm not at the moment either, but I'm saying, you know, I know what my triggers are, and I think that if people recognize that, it just makes it easier. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, if it was just if it was unsweetened, like it'd be like you sit down and eating an entire stick of butter. If you sat down and ate an entire stick of butter, you would feel gross. Yes. But but if, if it's you know if it's got the, you know some stevia in it, it's like oh yeah, this is this is a delightful treat. Right. Right. But yeah, going back to hunger, yes. hunger always wins, and and hunger always wins, and willpower is bullshit. Willpower is what you do until you develop a habit, and that's something I had to learn. Um, because for me, people. You, I've been doing it for a decade, and there's a lot of people that have been much, much longer than me, like you. Um, but a lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to do keto for three months because I want to look good for a swimsuit season or whatever. And I'll come in. Well, I've been doing it for 10 years, and here's kind of what I've been doing. They go, oh, my God, 10 years? 
Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like I look at, you know, uh, you know a, a spread of food and there's a bowl of chips or a, a rice or whatever on the end of it. I just don't look at it as food. It's like I see a pack of cigarettes on a table. I don't want to smoke it because right. I'm not a smoker. Right. Um, it's, just, it's, it's as simple as that because that's just become my habit. That's become the way I interact with the world. I don't do that. Right. I mean, do you need willpower to brush your teeth and wipe your ass? No, it's just it's what you do, <laughs> right. right? It's just, it's just right. what you do. Right. So that's the, but you need to get to that point, and that's yes. that's the tricky bit, right? Especially if you've got a lifetime, decades of of these other habits and maybe cultural pressures from you know different people. That are, you're not having your potato dumplings. You're not having your rice. You're not having your tortillas. Or you're not having your your you know loaf of bread with your dinner. What's wrong with you? You know, grandma baked this. It's like okay, that's tricky. I understand that, but. Well, you know, you, you have to get to that point. Yes, that's a, that, and I agree with you, the whole, the whole willpower thing. Um, yep. I, 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 I think of, of myself that I have, I'm awful willpower. I think maybe I'm a little bit more, I think that I would say that I'm, I'm disciplined more than I am, than I have any type of willpower or anything like that. Um, but yeah, you, you just got to get there. You got to figure out how to get there. Yep. If you, so if you had a, a extraordinarily large platform, right? whether that's mm -hmm. social media or you had like a syndicated radio show. And if you had any advice to the, the general population of, let's say just the West regarding healthcare, what, what would, mm -hmm. what would, what would you say just in general? To the general population? Yes, I would say population. that, yeah, I would say that consistency is going to beat intensity in the long run. Um, find what's actually possible. Can you, look deep into your soul and say, I will never have cherry pie ever again for as long as I live. And some people say, yeah, that's fine. And some people say, absolutely not. And it's like, okay, can you say, I won't have dessert six days a week. And on the seventh day, I'll have one dessert. You can say, okay, that sounds sustainable to me. Great. That's better than the seven days a week you're doing now. You're moving in the right direction. Maybe your decision on that particular issue will shift once you're like, you know, it's, what do they call it? The, um, the uh, shifting Overton window, but mm -hmm. in, in this, uh, in this case, we're talking about the shifting dessert window. Um, so we can kind of find the, the spot where you're able to be comfortable now and can actually do, I mean, okay, if I want to lose weight, what's the best way to do it? I'll, I'll go, you know, run for 16 hours a day and not eat anything just mm -hmm. fast. Okay. Guaranteed. I'm, I'm down 30 pounds in a month right. or more. Right. Let's, let's throw some, mm -hmm. let's throw some amphetamines on top of that. Boom. I'm going to be shredded. No time. Can I right. do that forever? Absolutely not. Right. So it's like, who, who cares what's the fastest way? I need to lose X amount of pounds in X amount of days. No, you don't. Right. You don't need to. What is wrong with you? Right. Find out what you can actually do for a lifetime because you know how long you got your life, your, your, your life, you got a, for a lifetime, right? Right. So figure out what you can do. Exactly That's my right. advice. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, have you met in, in your, outside of, you know, maybe the people that we know from Twitter, um, doctors, healthcare providers, whoever, have you met any you know, healthcare providers in, in your life, you know, that, that you've even chatted with or that you've seen that kind of line up with what we're talking about right now is, or is it mostly like they, they just blow it off? Well, here's the thing. I, I know I'm, I'm up here in Northern California. And so we got a lot of people doing a lot of wacky stuff, right? I mean, you've got these people microdosing psilocybin mushrooms and LSD for their, their tech bro jobs out in San Francisco. So I think there's not a whole lot that I can do that the doctors will never have seen before. Got it. Um, so, you know, when I got a, a new healthcare provider, when I got my new job about five years back, uh, I said, okay, there's a general interview. Are you, are you on any kind of special diet? I said, yeah, uh, I'm going to 
you know, high meat based sort of ketogenic diet. And I said, what's that? And the doctor said, okay, let me, let me, let me run a couple of tests to make sure that you're healthy. So I checked my blood pressure, I checked my like triglycerides and cholesterol and everything. And it all came back great. And the doctor said, well, you seem to be in great health. It's working for you. I see that on your chart, you used to weigh this much. Now you weigh this much. Um, you know, we'll keep on going your regular physicals. If you start to not look good or feel good, then we'll work on it then. So I said, okay, cool. He just doesn't necessarily care what I'm doing as long as the results are positive. Nice. So Perfect. I can say I'm standing on my head every morning. He says, I don't know why that works. I don't really care, but it seems to be working for you. So yeah, keep standing on your head every morning. Nice. Good to hear. That's good to hear. Yeah. How, how about I saw something recently? <clears throat> It was a, uh, I was on vacation a couple weeks ago and uh, it, it was me, it was my family, my sister, her family, my mother came with us and my mother had bought, I think it was a, a people's magazine. Right. And yes. <laughs> so dude, I listen, I go in there and I, I'm like, because the front, the front of it, I'm just like, okay, what kind of trash am I going to see here? But there was a, I forget who it was, but some, some, I think it was like a HGTV celebrity that yeah. they said that what they were doing for their anxiety i think i tweeted about this they said what they were doing there's there's a frog some they were they smoked the venom of this frog and apparently to reduce anxiety it's like people are catching on it's catching on somewhere i, I don't know what it is oh, God. but you know what like you said man this, it's like this is a joke growing up it's like oh you, you go, go get high by licking toads and now it's actually on the front of people magazine oh my god we live in a clown world dude. clown world and i'm like oh, I, actually i think it was literally it was literally the simpsons the simpsons literally did it oh my god yeah dude, the, the simpsons are all they're spot on but <laughs> i'm like i'm thinking to myself so and look i'm not it wasn't a judge because i look i have no idea what this person does otherwise right so it's not me judging mm -hmm. i'm just thinking to myself look maybe she went maybe she changed some things with her lifestyle maybe she went through therapy i don't i don't know but i just thought it was funny because here, here i'll give you i'll give you a scenario right that's a natural remedy though isn't it uh, right all, yeah. all natural non-gmo <laughs> bufetane right there in your vapor right um, I, I have often people come in. So a lot of what I do, so how my, my clinic is, it's, is we do direct primary care. We do regenerative medicine. So, and I guess I have multiple providers. Not everybody that comes there sees me. A lot of what I do is oversight and the people that I work with usually is like, you know, it's, it's consultations like this or, or, or phone stuff. Right. And I manage them that way. Well, if I, if somebody wants, some people want to come, come to, to the clinic to see me like personally i don't know why but they do and um they'll come here's what they'll do right they'll come in and they'll throw a box on my desk full of crap supplements medications sometimes thousands of dollars a month in this stuff and i'll start talking about their lifestyle they eat like crap they don't move they avoid the sun like the plague and i'm thinking to myself Nobody has talked to these people about their lifestyle. And I've, I've had on um, a couple of people like Brady Homer and I talked about this in great detail when I had him on, you know, like the low hanging fruit stuff, like what you're eating, mm -hmm. how you're sleeping, how you're moving, yeah. you know, and, and it seems that in, in it, what people have done is they've not you, but people have, they've kind of abandoned the, you know, what, what somebody would call the medical model. Like people say, well, I'm not going to, I don't want to take drugs for my, my diabetes. I'm not taking metformin. I'm not taking SGL2 inhibitor. I'm just going to go ahead and take cinnamon, right? Instead, yep. instead of the drug. Meanwhile, I'm thinking, well, let's look at your, your lifestyle that might, you know, that's obviously contributing to the problem to begin with. So I think that, you know, you have that type of mindset that people are, are vaping frog venom. 
yeah, I mean, I look at you're a, you're a very small person in a very big world, and how you choose to interact with it on a physical level is it's a kind of a big deal, right? I mean, everything in your body is made from what you put into it or what you expose it to. And this is not exactly a revolutionary concept, right? Like you t- your dog's puking everywhere and you take him to the vet and the vet goes, well, what's he eating? Right. Or your dog's hair is falling out. What's he eating? And you saw, you know, this Walmart brand shitty ass dog food was like, maybe try something a little bit better for him. And everything obviously gets better. Or I mean, he's got some parasites or something to give him some pills for it. But I, I'm just confused because we always see these things like, okay, anxiety, depression, bipolar, whatever. It's your brain chemicals being out of whack. Why is everybody's brain chemicals out of whack? Why did that all of a sudden happen in the last you know, 40 years? What, right. what happened? Why? How did we become the, the apex predator and take over every continent on this planet if our brain chemicals go out of whack if we turn our heads the wrong way? I mean, something's clearly changed. And, you know, we're, we're in an environment that is very unnatural in many ways. So I think that it's probably a good idea to, at least in the things we can affect, at least in the, in the, the chemicals that comprise the food that we put into our body, try to make those at least as close to the ones that we evolved to consume as possible, at least as possible as reasonable. Right. And just see what happens. I mean, nobody like, you know, you know, decided to have some steak and eggs and their head, you know, burst into flames. I mean, just give it a try for a while, see what happens. And, you know, maybe a lot of things do get better. And we have, you know, anecdotally, I think as far as I understand, the number of studies that say, you know, I know that there's, a, there's a study on schizophrenia and, and on a ketogenic diet. And there's, you know, a number of uh, at least you know, individual cases of people with severe bipolar to depression yeah. going completely off drugs on a ketogenic diet. Yeah. Uh, people I know personally. Um, and it's, it's like, this is cool, <laughs> I mean, right? right? There's no money to be made for it, so that's I think a big problem. But um, you know, if we could take if we could take a good diet and put it in a pill, uh, we'd probably be going somewhere. But that's a little bit that's a tricky to do. We'll figure that one out later. Right, because right, boutique right. medicine. Uh, God, I remember seeing these commercials for these um, pills, vitamin pills, whatever. They give you a big survey, and they're basically 3D printed vitamins. And they'll send you a vitamin that's custom mixed specifically to what they determine is probably missing from your diet. Like, okay, that's stupid, but it's heading in the right direction. Right. And it's like, you know, maybe if we if we could do this you know, based around like actual tests or on uh, something maybe a little bit more precise, it's like okay, you know, maybe this vitamin is more like you have this issue absorbing certain things, or your particular lifestyle uh, dictates that this sort of thing doesn't actually normally occur to you. Therefore, we can address it directly instead of just throwing everything at it and seeing what sticks. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. I work a lot in medical technology in nice. my in my work, and I see these things happening, and I see them happening in real time. And part of me is like, this is really cool, and it could save the world. But part of me is like, they're going to screw this up. <laughs> they're going to have this. It's like when they, you, know, you split the atom. Are you going to give everybody free power? No, we're going to nuke each other. Okay, fantastic. Good job, guys. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, so it's it's like this. Uh, you know, we I've been seeing a lot of this lately on social media where people say things, you know, what's going on in the world right now, <clears throat> where it's like, listen, we have to get our metabolic health under control. We have to, we have to, you know, lose weight. Uh, half the population's obese, 88% is metabolically unfit. And people are starting, look, I hate the word, hate the word mandate with a passion. Um, if let's say, let's say that people, well, let's, let's make, let's mandate, that we, you know, let's mandate uh, no sugar. We, we, we tax the crap out of sugar. We tax the shit out of seed oils. Let's, let's, let's do all this stuff. 
So that's what people are saying. That's their answer. At least that's what they're saying on social media. Well, what happens when either a person or a group of people get put in place that are nuts, that are calling the shots? This is, this is exactly the argument I've had with people is that you, you can't give somebody you like the ability that will eventually be inherited by somebody you don't like. Right. Um, it's like, okay, well, you know, you know, you like ex-president. Ex-president's great. We're going to give him all the power. Well, you know what? The next guy's going to get exactly the same stuff, and he's going to do all the stuff you don't want him to. Right. So it's like, okay, great. Yeah, give all the sugar taxes. Got all the sugar taxes in Berkeley, and they're taxing sodas that the poor people drink, but not really, you know, the sugary coffee that the rich people drink. But we'll ignore that for the moment. Right. And, you know, okay, yay. Or actually, people drink less. I don't know. They're actually getting results. see that yet, but um, – Oh, you know what else is really bad? Animal fat. Let's tax all the animal fat. And you kind of go, wait a minute. Yes. And it drives me nuts because it's like, you know what you do? Just stop subsidizing corn, wheat, and soy. Just stop stealing my money. Stop using it to grow so much damn corn that they have to find something to fucking do with it and put it into everything on the shelf. Just stop it. Amen. And watch, watch like half the problems resolve without you even having to do anything. And you save money doing it. Amen to that, man. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 listen. So you're saying this? I don't know. Mind, yeah, no. Listen, it's you're you're right. It's common sense to me, at least, and you obviously. I just, you know, I, I have a very big problem with, you know, and you see these things going on. You're like this: the slippery slope. You're asking for, you don't know what you're really asking for. But like you said, what I what you just said, I think, in my opinion, is the answer as well with that stuff. Yeah. Um. There's there's a there's a quote. And it's like, yeah, it'd be great if we had these, you know, people that are always going to act with the best information and the best interests of everybody, and they don't exist. We're all people. Everybody, quote? everybody's people. What was, huh? the quote, what was the quote again? again? You, you cut out for just it was, a second. It was, Milton Fried, it, was, it was Milton Friedman, and he said, where are these angels that are going to run society for you? And they don't exist. Right. People are fallible. People will operate on bad information, and especially people that are in an elected position would rather do the wrong thing than to do nothing. And that's a very dangerous position to be in. Yes. Uh, especially when you have the control of you know millions of people's of millions of people's lives, and you can say, well, we then then you've always got the fallback of well, we did the best thing given what we knew at the time. And right. <laughs> this is not even this isn't a new concept. This this whole idea goes back to like you know the 1600s when exactly. people were first talking about you know how do we actually run a country? I don't know. Yeah. You know what what, what, if, what if you got rid of kings? What would happen then? Right. And I don't know. Yeah. I, I I spend a lot of time just with my head, and my hands going. Oh my god, you idiots! What are you doing? I know. Every day, man. Um, try to do, try to do everything you can for yourself. <laughs> Get in your own little little lifeboat and just sail away from it. You, you know, so I, I don't, I don't know. There's, there's this parable, maybe you've heard of it. I don't, I don't know what your, you know, your thoughts are on, on, on Christianity or, or God or gods, but there's this parable. I got, four, I got 14 years of Catholic school under my belt. So, so have you ever heard the parable? I don't know the name of the parable. And, and this, this isn't, you know, this could be applied to, to life in general, even, even if somebody, you know, is not a Christian or maybe they're, or a theist or whatever, this, this applies there's this parable, I think it's the parable of the flood. And, and what happens is there's this flood, there's this town and a flood comes through, right? And this guy gets and climbs on his roof. Have you heard this? Yeah. Right. And this is a good one. This yeah. Is a good one. Yeah. People are coming by. Hey, listen, mister, we got the, the water's coming in. We can get in my car. He's like, no, God's coming to help me. Next thing the water gets higher. Then a boat comes by. 
surrogate in, no, God's got my back. And then a helicopter comes by, no, God's got my back. The guy dies when he gets to heaven. What's he say? He's like, God, why didn't you help me? He's like, bro, I sent you a car. I sent you a boat and I sent you a helicopter. And, and I think mm-hmm. that, you know, I, it's, it's that principle. I like how your God says, bro. I like that. <laughs> Brother. <laughs> you, so, you got to chill God. But anyway, it's, so that's like, my, like, like you said that you, you, nobody is coming, right? Like I, yep. look, there, there's a difference between if you see a healthcare provider, right? I, I don't know a single person personally, a healthcare provider that is intentionally, um, trying to hurt people right yeah i think that it's, there's this myth and I've, I've literally never seen it actually substantiated that that healthcare providers are getting these massive kickbacks from pharmaceutical companies to provide medications or whatever and i'm like i mean maybe there's a couple of like pill pushers for the you know uh, uh what is it uh oxycontins or whatever right. but i mean for the rest of the stuff really i don't think so every doctor i've ever talked to and everybody who's a doctor i've ever talked to is like they they really do seem to be doing their best. I respect doctors. I just think that maybe they are not necessarily provided with all the best information or just can't keep up with things because everything changes. Right. I'm sure as soon as you got out of school, you learned all kinds of stuff that you learned was wrong. I mean, listen, or outdated or incomplete. It's, it's, it's really incredible that I was in, I was in school till I was 32 years old and mm-hmm. I, I've been in practice for 14, almost 14 years. And I say that, School was go- school was good. Don't get me wrong. School was good, in my opinion, mostly for um, OSCEs, which is clinical in school testing, and then and then boards and licensing. Right. I think that it prepared you well for that. Clinically, you know, if you were to go off to be a surgeon or something like, I get that. That's you know, I would consider that to be a special. Obviously, it's a specialty, but yeah, man, you're right. It's and I've talked to physicians. I talked to endocrinologists a couple of weeks ago. Um, he is trying to make his practice into a direct primary care setting, um, instead of the, 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 the usual structure. Um, a lot of these physicians, like you said, man, they're just, it's hard to keep up with. And especially if you're in a group, like employed physicians, especially at hospitals, man, I'm going to be, a matter of fact, I found I'm going to have to be going back, um, starting the beginning of the year up. I'm going to be spending about 10 hours a week in the hospital, um, seeing people and, you know, you, you, these are good people. They are, they're, they're, they're good. And they want to help people. You know, I have, I have lots of people in my family are physicians, man. They want to help people. It's just like, you, you have to, but you have to, you have to get the proper knowledge to be able to share with people. That's just the bottom line. Yeah. So. I also wonder, like the, there's sort of this meme about educate your doctor. And I wonder really how much does a doctor listen um, or even has the ability to listen. Right. Especially when they when they see something that they don't normally see, if they, like if somebody comes, they, like you see these people, they are, they're getting fatter, they're getting sicker, their blood pressure is getting worse. I keep prescribing more and more pills, and some guy comes in, and he's lost fifty pounds, his blood pressure is down, and he said, "Oh yeah, I stopped taking all those pills." Do you actually listen to him, or you just go, "Huh?" Right. And I mean, obviously some do, but I'm wondering how many do. How many have have how many have the luxury of being able to listen to somebody like that? Because I mean. I mean, as a, as a dork, I think that that stuff is cool. You say, okay, I did this thing that nobody else did. How did I do it? It's like, okay, yeah, I'm listening. You want but... to know something? Two, two things. First of all, my experience, anybody that I know, and I have two friends, two really good friends of mine, that um, one was a chemical engineer, one was a mechanical engineer. That's what they went to school for undergrad. They both became mm-hmm. physicians. Engineers, in my experience, that be, who become physicians become fantastic physicians because they're thinkers. 
Um, yep. And and here here's kind of something to your point here, Dan. Um, to asking questions, I had a while back. A she was at the time I think forty three years old, and she was diagnosed I think when she was eleven or twelve with rheumatoid arthritis, and she was kind of sharing her story with me, and she said there was she told me she said there was one time in her life where she was pain-free for six months. And she said it was immediately after she got stung by a bee, right? So I'm thinking, hmm. huh. So that night I went home and started looking into it. Went on PubMed, NCBI, and it talks about the mechanism, right? Now, mm-hmm. what was cool about that now, I, I, I'm obviously not gonna start trying to harvest bee venom and injecting people with <laughs> <laughs> with, with RA, right? But what I'm saying though is, I learned something that day, and she had. To, and my point of this is, she told me she she told a bunch of doctors that not that they could maybe do anything about it, but she said doctors like, "Oh, you're nuts. That's not what happened. That well, that was all in your head." Well, go on NCBI, spend literally ten minutes, look at the mechanism. It's so yeah, that's a great point. Who listens? I mean, maybe not many. Mm-hmm. Maybe not many. So yeah. Um, and is that, is that, what is that a function of? Is it a function of the medical system, people being overworked? Is it a function of the kind of people who generally go into medicine and have that God complex? What is that? I don't know. But I, it's, it's my, it's my personality to ask, you know, how does that work? Why does that work? Because you're an engineer um, you know. and you're smart. Yeah. And I grew up, I grew up with my dad. My dad was a, he was not an engineer. He was a, um, he actually was a manager of a car dealership, but he was a gearhead. I grew up with a you know a bunch of classic cars and stuff in the garage and you know what what is an engine how does an engine work how do the what's the carburetor how do the carburetors work how, what what is this how does this work what's the spark plug and <clears throat> he always took me right through it and showed me all these things and how do you fix this and what if it's doing this what do you do to to repair that and I just always found it to be just fascinating right and a lot of people are like I don't care I turn the I turn the key and the engine starts and it doesn't I take it to the guy down the street and he fixes it <laughs> I always cared I always thought it was cool yeah yeah absolutely. And that's, that's something else too, you know, um, so somebody like us, like you or I, I, I like to know, you know, the whys behind, I don't have too many people or patients that I've worked with that necessarily care about the pathophysiology of type two diabetes. They just care that they can get, that they want, they just want to get better. Right. It's like you said, if, if yeah. somebody told, somebody told me to stand on my head for 20 minutes a day and it worked, I, I'm cool with that. Um, but I think that understanding the why behind is, is important for, you know, even for yourself, like you, you, again, your journey, you obviously looked into this and you did your own research and experimentation. Um, but I think clinically, you know, for people who are, are, are patients, you know, their thing is, okay, I want to get better. I, I, I don't know that I care how maybe, but I just want to get better. Um, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, that's how I started. And then, because it was so contrary to what I was, you know, initially told in my, in my limited experience of what, what was supposed to be healthy. I mean, I, was, I always thought that, well, obviously vegans are the healthiest people. And if we just had enough willpower, we'd all be vegan, right? And I, I've come to uh, maybe question that belief at this point in my life. But um, <laughs> the, uh, it, it, uh, you know, when I saw something do basically the opposite um, of what you know, I did, what, the opposite of what I was told, and it had such unbelievable and immediately positive effect on me. I mean, even exercise didn't have that much of an effect on me positively because I felt like crap. I, I was gas. I was in pain, yeah. and I was just I was chugging through it like this sucks. But you know, eventually it's going to pay off. 
Or I switch, you know, get rid of the carbs, boom, immediately. And I said, uh-huh, this is interesting. So. Cool. Yeah, you know, yeah. Something just set me on, uh, you know, a, a different lifetime uh, path. Yeah. So <clears throat> before we go, where can people, I know, so obviously Twitter, where can people find you? Um, to follow you on social media, if you don't mind sharing. Uh, it's really just Twitter. Um, I, I'm, you know, I'm staking iron on Twitter. Um, that's sort of where I live. Uh, I've got some things. I've got some things. I have a account. I've never put anything on. I just follow if you want to. To me, I like Instagram because it's you know it's one to one, real direct communication. And that's why I got on there in the first place. I can talk to doctors and scientists and researchers and authors and everybody. Just ask them a question. Go from there. Um, and so, yeah, come find me. Um, language can be a little bit strong sometimes. <laughs> so, uh, but it, it's always it's always been fun. I will, I will poke fun at people who think they have all the answers because they don't. And we just kind of generally have a good time. Yeah, man, and you and you're you got quality takes, for, no doubt about it. No <laughs> doubt about it. I appreciate that. I think yeah, you and man. I see eye to eye on a lot. I think that you and I, if if you were to take a uh, a microscope inside each of our heads, it'd probably look pretty similar. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. Well, listen, Pretty brother, I, I appreciate you coming on, Dan. And um, hang on for a second when we get on. Everybody, listen. Thanks for listening. This episode uh, was brought to you by me and Dan. Thanks so much, brother. And uh, you guys have a good one. Take care.